Good afternoon, everyone, and this is Patty Holstrand, and this is KWAD Radio, and I'm really pleased to let you know that we are on live with Kiki Howell. She has a brand new children's book to tell us about. This is obviously a step outside of what she usually writes, which is paranormal romance, so we'd like to find out a lot more about Kiki. Are you there, Kiki? Yes, I am. Hey, lady. I'd like you to tell everybody a little more about you. Um, where, are you where are you from? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm in northeastern Ohio, uh, right below the snow belt. I'm, I didn't know that. I'm sorry? I didn't know that. I'm from Ohio as well. How are you? What part? Toledo. Oh, okay. So you're familiar with snow? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you have your kids? I do. I have two sons. Teenagers. Awesome. Oh, teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> and I have a 17-year-old as well. So he, he's going to be graduating from high school at, in May of next year. Wow. This seems like it goes so fast, doesn't it? It does. It does. It does. Now, obviously the big question I have for you is that this is a children's book. So tell us about your children's book. Um, the children's book is really uh, to help kids deal with fears. Um, I was a really fearful child myself, so it's kind of um, an important issue because it was something I dealt with when I had kids, was getting over, you know, my own fears. But being a creative person, um, you know, my husband... I was working on his Ph.D., and a lot of research he was doing was showing a link between um, creativity, which, you know, I'm a writer, he's a musician, we were both English teachers, we're both creative people. Um, But anyway, his teach work was showing this link between creativity and compassion. And the idea that when we, we try to get a kid to overcome their fear, sometimes we stifle the creativity that created the fear to begin with, it just... I don't know, that made that created a whole other fear in me, you know, that, that this is the way we were dealing with it as parents. And um, I just really wanted to come up with a book that would uh, show the latest, you know, show in a fun way for kids the latest research that psychologists were putting out, uh, ways that we could deal with kids' fears without stifling that creativity and that imagination. Well, I noticed that you said something about uh, after-school specials. And you you grew up in the eighties, which you're you're a little bit behind me because I grew up in, kind of in the seventies. So uh, and after school specials were, were really big at that time period for me too. Really wish they bring those things back because um, yeah, I think that really uh, had an interesting impact. Apparently uh, a lot on you because you mentioned it here. I did. They were. I mean, I thought they were great, and I wish we did have them for our kids. I mean, some of the the. Kiki? We lost Kiki, so hang on. I'm sure she will notice here and call back. Unfortunately, um, 
apparently Blog Talk is not the office is not open this week and so they're on limited limited people taking care of the switchboard. So I've been having these kind of problems all week. Are you, I'm here again. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I have been having trouble all week with this. Uh, they they drought calls on and it, it's never had been that much of a problem. They're not in the office this week, so <laughs> I understand. So, you, know, you just gotta take take it, you know, technology the way we can, you know. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so we were we were talking about uh, after school specials and how you think that that would also help uh, our kids nowadays. Yeah, I really do because you know it scares me sometimes the way the shows nowadays deal with their issues and I think I was saying before the call dropped that you know they they just don't deal with them in a, in a positive way the way those after school specials used to I mean it used to be a big impact that would you know touch on ideas that um, you know I just know my own instance that there was a girl in our school that people you know teased and made fun of that had an eating disorder you know and I remember watching the after school special and and it really helped to explain what that person was going through, you know, rather than the shows yeah. that they see today, you know, dealing with these issues and letting the characters just keep, you know, it just right. gets worse and worse instead of better. There's no positive message in the end. Well, you know, um, I, I watched Disney, the Disney shows over my son's uh, period of, of, you know, watching TV, and I don't think it's the same same messages. Uh, and I no, think you're not. right that that we learned how to take care of situations from some of the shows that and, and movies that we we watched. Um, or now I don't think that's the same messages. And and of course it's all about entertainment now, not about the story. Right, not about letting these kids learn to put themselves in somebody else's shoes, you know, right. and, and see it from another idea. When you know, because you, know, you don't, some kids are lucky enough not. To have any idea what the other kids going through, and and I, so I don't know. I just I love those shows. I love yeah. them then, and <laughs> <laughs> and I might be wrong, but you know, which is a Waverly Waverly Place is not really. I mean, it's not really giving those same kind of messages. Right. Uh, so, uh, so you, you dreamed up of, and that's where you came up more creative from from thinking about stories. How long ago were you writing? You know, my writing um, over my life has been so different. I mean, I can remember being young and, you know, reading those first books yourself and always having this thing where in my head I was, I w- if I wasn't pleased with the story, I was changing it. I was, I was going to sleep, rewriting the story in my head, you know. So I assumed right away at first that, you know, I'd write these children's pictures books. But as I got into these after-school specials, you know, the stories changed. And even when I got into college... You know, I thought I was going to be an English teacher that was going to support me, and I was going to write the great American novel at night. And uh, I, you know, had all these great expectations of, you know, these deep messages, these real feel-good stories that taught a lesson that I was going to write. But then um, when I had, when I got pregnant with my first son, I ended up on bed rest for six months. Oh and uh Life just totally changed. You know, I stopped. I was taking out, taken out of teaching. Um, you know, got got the great privilege of being a stay-at-home mom, but I didn't write for over a decade. And when I got back into writing, it was funny because you know I was going back for my masters, and uh, I did this little writing exercise that said to write in a genre you weren't comfortable with. And I'd really just <laughs> 
kind of read my first little adult romance that was, you know, really adult. And uh, I tried that. My husband said, you know, just send it in, see what someone says. And what they said was, here's a contract. So I ended up reading these adult paranormal romances because somebody liked them, <laughs> you uh-huh. know. Uh-huh. And here and here you thought that was a, a genre that you weren't comfortable with and you wanted to bet that somebody else liked it. That's funny. Right. I mean, yeah. it was really a shock to me, and so I kept going with it. I mean, I've had my stumbling areas, my blocks, you know, that I am an English teacher and I write like old literature because I love descriptions. And, you know, I've had just as many people praise that as I have not like it in paranormal romances, you know. And so I just keep writing all over the board, (laughs) writing my kids' books, writing this and that, until, you know, I guess I'll either keep doing that or someday find exactly where I'm supposed to be. So you've always wanted to write this children's story. I have. I have. I mean, I just, I always dreamed of writing. I've always had these stories in my head and, and any time something um I don't know, affected me. It was very uh therapeutic for me to write it out in a story, to mm-hmm. deal with it and allow a happy ending that way. And I've even done that with my adult romances. I mean there was a situation uh in the neighborhood. I live in a, a lake community, so there's a lot of, you know, interaction and gossip down at the lake in the summer. Um and there was a story I heard a about two years ago now, and it really affected me. And and to deal with it, I wrote a story where I gave, you know, this person I didn't really know a happy ending in life. There you know, it it just comes, you know, that's just the way I write. That's part of the reasons, you know, I get inspired and, you know. I find if I'm angry or or upset at somebody, I can have my characters take care of it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and then I feel so much better. I'll never see the light of day, but it's at least it's out on paper, and I feel better about it. <laughs> right. I always seem to get that little, you know, there's always a character in the story that spouts off about something, whatever I'm dealing with, you know. Right, right. And you're going like, oh, man, how did I get in there? <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a first caller already, so I'm going to okay. switch over to him. This is number 1137. That's your last four-digit numbers. Are you there? Uh, 1139. 1139, yeah. Sorry about that. It says, uh, did you want to talk to Kiki, or did you just want to listen? Uh, well, I'd like to ask her. My name is uh, Hugh. I'm calling from Virginia, and awesome. I'm wondering if uh, she's open to researching uh, real-life uh, paranormal-type uh, experience I've had where I actually uh, sort of was attracted and fell deeply for evidently what turned out to be a psychic vampire. Oh, okay. Kiki, do you um, want to answer yeah. that one? <laughs> yeah, um, actually, I uh, I had a few paranormal experiences of my own in Salem last summer, and I have a novel coming out in April uh, that incorporates my own, um, you know, experience, paranormal experiences myself that I had there. Um, if you go to my website, uh, my email is on there. Uh, I'm yes, always... it did. I saw that. Unfortunately, I don't use email. I was wondering if the host could give you my number because I have spirituality and paranormal running through my whole life, and I'm actually working on something very big and bringing spirituality into global economics and combining that with 
unconditional love. Wow, that's a lot of broad area. Well, I, I have a lot of fascinating stuff uh, uh, coming out of me in many different areas. Uh, a lot. Uh, I've had UFO, paranormal, and near-death experiences too. And I was married to an Earth angel for 35 and a half years, who taught me the most important lesson we're all here to learn, and that's unconditional love. Mm, okay. Well, I can. Uh, um, do you use any of the social media outlets? Facebook, no, Twitter, I. Uh, uh, I could give you my name, and there's a, a blog that uh, has my phone number on it. There's an email, but it wouldn't come to me because it's not my blog. It was put on the internet by the gentleman who interviewed me. But you, if you just look at some of the information, uh, it will give you an idea of uh, who I am. And then if you call me, I can give you stuff to. You can pull up from the internet when I do this with people. They just go wow, <laughs> one thing after another. Uh, but my name is uh, Hugh H U G H, and the last name is Trollson T like Tom, R A U L S E N like Nancy. And I went through a whole paranormal thing where I was actually arrested from my bed by a bunch of malicious women gossipers. And uh, it got thrown out because I gave the uh, arresting policewoman documents that she refused to look at that uh, showed one of these women who was some kind of reverend actually perjured herself on paper. That stuff is sitting in the White House still looking to be unwound. Huh. Wow, that's interesting. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I still have, and this thing manifested in a different bizarre way uh, with this woman I was mentioning who uh, uh, is like a psychic vampire so it's, I'm still toying with it I have it in check but uh, quite fascinating well that sounds interesting um, I will go ahead and, and give her your phone number and see what you know she can look look up and see how uh, if there's any synergy there uh, yeah, there may be other areas, too, with her background that uh, uh, might be of interest because I have a lot of important messages I'm trying to get out to the masses. To uh, One relates right now to this holiday period uh, coming from the end of this year and into the new year. It's time to get rid of all our fears, and I empowered the word joy. There's a hidden meaning in the word, which you discover by creating a word of uh, its own from each of the letters in the word, and when you do that, the hidden meaning and joy is Jesus optimizes okay. you. Okay, okay. Um, I'm going to get you another caller, but uh, anything else you'd... No, I'd just like to continue listening. Thank you so much, Thank and you. very happy uh, New Year to everyone. Okay, okay. nice Thanks to meet you, too. Uh, let me double-check to see the other one. Uh, apparently, that guest doesn't want to say anything yet. So, <laughs> we'll uh, go move on. Um, so, I guess I'm going to come with some couple questions here for you that uh, other people on Facebook have just given me. Uh, what led you to write your book, uh, the one with the you know the children's story? Um, you know, it, it it developed over actually like a two year period. Um, as I had said before, there was my husband's research that was dealing with fears and creativity, but um, it was funny as I first tried to play with a character that was going to deal with these fears, 
um, you know, I kept trying to do something that would come down on a kid's level that would be, I wanted to take a scary, you know, figure and make it not scary, make it something they would laugh at. So I played with different monsters being the main character. Um, you know, even had the story all written out at one point with this cute little furry Sesame Street-like pink monster with a horn on her head. But um, it was funny that it just kind of got around towards Halloween, and I, you know, I, I have this hundred-pound dog that's terrified of any child in a costume. He shakes, <laughs> he trembles, he hides, and I thought. That's silly. You know, that's silly enough to start to talk about this with kids. You know, I yeah. want to make them laugh first so we can deal with this big issue. And, you know, my 100-pound dog hiding in these crates, pretty funny. <laughs> you know, somebody comes so, down the street. So, so that was that. a real picture then. That was a real picture it of your was. dog. Awesome. That was it just was, and show. that's how I – I'm sorry? Just let the, the listeners know right on the blog talk you've got the picture of the dog, and uh, so that's the dog she's referring to for her cover. Right, right, and I that's what gave me the idea to do the uh, photorealism rather than having it illustrated by an artist. I think I it's a great idea. Because I, I think it's a great idea because people, especially kids, love dogs. They do, and that's the comment I kept getting when it first started, when it first came out at Halloween and, you know, a few blogs uh, that had moms that were reading it to their kids had reviewed it. And that was the first thing they said was, you know, I kept hearing over and over is the kids are really responding to the pictures. You know, they're bright, they're alive, they're real, and, you know, they're really responding to the dogs talking to each other. And I don't know if my dogs will ever forgive me for that photo session, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I guess that's one way to take care of any photo release issues. Just you know, shoot pictures of your dog, and uh, they can't do anything about it. <laughs> that's right. It's funny you brought that up, though, because I did have a photographer friend that said, "Watch that there's no candy labels uh-huh. that they can see." Uh-huh. <laughs> so there were still the issues of you know making sure there was no name brand, uh-huh. you know, items in there because you know, then you don't have the copyright to it anymore. It's funny how that always creeps in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And people who, and of course now it's more so with uh, this whole copyright issue going on for the Internet. That's mm-hmm. a big subject now. And uh not sure what's going to happen there, but it's just be interesting to see what happens. So, uh, someone says a pivotal event. Is there a pivotal event that you can remember and share that, well, I think you said a little bit about uh Maybe you already answered this. Uh, put a little event that 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 uh, kind of clicked, and you said, "Okay, this is the book I want to write." Right. I I don't think I had you know that moment. I think there were so many little moments mm-hmm. that led it right where it needed to be. You know, I mean, I can spot several of them that it kept changing and changing and changing, but. The story wasn't letting me go. It was never letting me get to a point where, you know, because I had a time where there was three different people illustrating the book. You know, I I went through so many different illustrators and things weren't working out and there was always a problem and I could have given up, but the story just really wouldn't let me go. I felt like it needed to be out there. Well, that's good. That's good. So the the key, everyone, is not to give up. Right. Right. (laughs) Right. 
So uh, as well as this project and, and, of course, the other ones, how do you approach your creative process? Um, you know, since I took that decade off from writing, I, I think it's been chasing me down. <laughs> I mean, I, I have been writing like a mad woman, every single idea that comes into my head, because I think for so long I stifled those ideas and wouldn't let any of them, I wouldn't give any of them a voice because I just didn't have the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, ever since I let it back in, it's like, it's been like opening up a floodgate. And there's just been so many ideas and so many stories. And the last four years have been quite amazing, but, you know, tiring and exciting and nerve-wracking all together. Now, how many stories do you have right now? How many books are done? Uh, I have had my 27th story released this year. (laughs) And I have uh, one coming out. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, as of the four years I've been writing, okay. I hit my 27th story this year uh, that released. And um, I have almost a story releasing every month of 2012 already. That's, that is crazy. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I no. mean, some of them are in anthologies, you know, they're shorter things. Right. Um, you know, and there's four novels now, but um, they're just all over the place. Now, these are different series, correct, that you're working on? Uh, I do have a series coming out in 2012. It'll be my first series that I've ever done. Um, Everything prior to that has always been individual stories. Uh, I do have uh, my, what I think is my biggest novel coming out, uh, one that was inspired by a trip to Salem, Massachusetts. Uh, That comes out in April. Um, That's my first ever mainstream novel. Uh-huh. That I'm just so excited about. <laughs> now, for those those who may not know, uh, it's mainstream. Now, you're writing a paranormal, obviously, paranormal idea. Why Why is it mainstream? Is it because of who you're publishing it through? Uh, I think I use that term more to, uh, especially on my website, because I just want to be really careful that the stories get to the right audience. I mean, especially being a mom. Uh-huh. Okay. Myself, um, to be very clear that this is adult or this is actually an erotic romance. This is just a mainstream romance that would be for someone 18 years or older, but, you know, we're not talking erotic anymore. I think I, I try to use mainstream as, um, I don't know, the category where I'd least offend <laughs> Adults, I mean, there wouldn't be anything offensive in it. You know what I mean? As far as, um, you know, as long as they're okay, I guess, with paranormal elements. But um, I guess I've run into a lot of people that have been offended, and I can never guess what they're going to be offended by (laughs) in my life. You can't make everybody happy. You know, I've learned that. I just I just found myself to be totally blown away and surprised by someone that comes up to me, you know, and says, I cannot believe you write about witches. And I'm like standing there with my mouth open going, okay. So what do you want me to do about it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what you want me to say. Am I supposed to apologize? I mean, I don't, you know what I mean? I've been in a lot of awkward situations, so... I try to really categorize my work, especially on my website, as to exactly who the audience is, 
exactly what the paranormal creatures are, if there are. Uh, so everybody knows exactly what they're getting before they buy the book. Now, do you ever get uh, to other states and do conventions or conferences? I did my first one this year. I was uh, nominated as one of the Ohioana um, library authors this year and got to go to Columbus. Uh, that was for my novel. It was a paranormal historical adult novel, Torn Asunder, that was nominated for that. So um, it was really fun. It was really exciting uh, to go there and really be treated like royalty. I mean, it was it was so much fun. You know, they had everything out for us, little gifts sitting on our table with our name where we'd sit and do our signings. And I did a, my first TV interview, and wow. um, yeah. it, it was just really a lot of fun. It was so exciting. So you think that this is probably, you know, your, your break? In other words, you, you've got a lot of good things going on in 2012. You think that you're finally making it into, you know, obviously we want to use the term mainstream, uh, hitting more mainstream and, and more uh, more people reading your books now. I think so. And I think the book is called Hidden Salem. It's coming out in April, the one that was inspired by my trip to Salem, Massachusetts. And um, being mainstream, it's just really going to allow me to do a lot more book signings. Um, the publisher is already talking about radio and local TV and, you know, talking at libraries, doing all those things. I think it's just going to open a whole new world to me, you know, if, rather than just the online with the little e-books and stuff like that that I have been, you know, prior to the novel I had this year. So I'm really excited about that, just to just to do a whole different, you know, world. And same thing with the children's book, to be able to, you know, go out publicly with right. the books more because of, you know, a wider audience. I, if I would suggest um, the sci-fi fantasy has a, you usually have conventions all around the country. I'm not sure uh, what they have in Ohio. I can always look it up for you, but uh, you might very well, and I think you'll be very well received there. So just to let you know. Uh, yeah, I, I really need, you know, that's one thing the publisher and I have been talking about with the Salem book coming out. It's just There's just so many opportunities, you know, to look into and, and things to go to and stuff. I'm it's going to be a lot of fun <laughs> to do. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Okay. Um, are there any influences in your life that have encouraged you to stay the course in this writing project? Um, you know, I I found a lot of um, different authors online, that um, two in particular that I talk to all the time now. And it's funny because one is in France and one is in Canada. And they really just become such close friends, and I've never met them in person, you know, but we talk so much online through emails or Facebook and stuff, and we've we've met both of them through publishers. Um, you know, it's really opened another world to me to have somebody that, you know, understands with the publishing and stuff because... I'm so blessed to have my husband. He's been the one constant that's been there from encouraging me to send in that first story to every single, celebrating every single up and down, getting me through the down, celebrating the ups um, and stuff. But, it, you know, it's really nice, too, to have the two authors that, you know, understand exactly this publishing industry. 
Hmm. You know, because yeah. as much as my husband is there and he tries, you know, he's in the music industry. And why right. it's similar, it's different too, you know. And uh, not to say he isn't always there because he is, but it's nice to have these two authors. And it's just so amazing that you can make such close friends and never have met them face to face, you know. <laughs> yeah, I started dating a, a writer about, you know, four years ago. And it's... Uh, we bounce ideas off each other, and it, it it really is something I've always wanted to have is, is somebody close to me that was a writer as well. And as you say, they understand you better. Mm-hmm. They, they know the craziness that you get into. <laughs> they do, and it, it's amazing to be able to share creativity because I don't know if you noticed in one, in one of the stories that I wrote, um, it actually I think came out in 2010, was called the Sorcerer's Songs, and mm-hmm. uh, that story uses all of my husband's songs off his last CD. The, uh-huh. the sorcerer in the story was writing the, my husband's songs, and uh-huh. and they were writing his life, and so it was actually kind of like a, it was a it was a really unique writing exercise. But I took those songs and made them fall into a format that became someone's life story which my husband said was really, you know, it was kind of odd to read his words, he said, and really feel like they belonged to somebody else. <laughs> they belonged <laughs> to that other character when he wrote them. So, you know, I put out the book with his, with his CD, and uh, it, it was really exciting, and it was fun to have that together. Yeah, I think that uh, mixing media like that, it works really well in sales. It does. It makes it very unique and very different. And and I had even written one of the songs with him. There was one song on there that we wrote for my aunt when she went through her divorce. And uh, <laughs> that was one of the songs that was used in the book. But we had, you know, it was the only song we'd ever co-authored together. Oh. It was neat to have that in there. Well, uh, hopefully she liked that. <laughs> we call it Aunt Marcia's song. It doesn't even have its same name, you know, in, in the family circles. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so uh, you already explained the, your your premise of your of your uh, children's story. What surprised you about the writing process of a writing experience of this particular book? Um, you know, I didn't. I didn't set off, I don't think, to rhyme the story. And I know that in a lot of circles these days, rhyming for a children's book has become a (laughs) no-no. But um, I like to play with words, and that's part of what I love about writing, um, is just playing with words, creating this new description. And so the rhyming, it it really ended up fun. I mean, it just, I don't know, it, it was like a puzzle to work out at times, you know, to to end up with the rhyming word, the sing the sing songy type of you know thing, and and I I liked that about it. I liked doing that. I'm not sure why they would they would have a problem with that. I mean, after all, you and Dr. Seuss is still really big, and that's all rhyming. Yeah, and you know when I read because most of the um, a lot of the publishers for children's books they won't even it says not even to submit it if it's rhyming. Uh-huh. They don't give an explanation as to why, but they they won't even take a manuscript that way. So they, there was a they, lot of doors closed automatically. That's that's interesting. That would be an issue. Um, perhaps they don't have kids. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I mean, it was it, you know, I wasn't. I'm not that familiar with 
with that part of the industry because I ended up in the adult end of it first. So, um, yeah, it was kind of a surprise to me because I'm a huge fan of Dr. Seuss, you know what I mean? Right. I just watched The Grinch last week. <laughs> so, you know, I I like that kind of words, you know what I yeah. mean, or that kind yeah. of story. And, you know, he even got to make up words and we didn't care. <laughs> you know? Right. If it doesn't rhyme, he just made up his own. He so. made up word, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, somebody asked me, apart from writing, what other endeavors or hobbies are you involved in? Oh, boy. Um, actually, I draw. Uh, I always have. Uh, it just for fun. It's just kind of one of those things where I couldn't do it if I was forced. I have to be in the mood um, mm. type of thing. And I knit all the time. I love to knit. It's it's just very relaxing for me. Um, huh. I I like to watch TV and movies, especially if it's something I can do with my kids, you know, as they get older. So I love sitting down for a movie night. I, I don't know. I have a lot of hobbies. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's that's quite a bit. I mean, you're doing drawing. I mean, obviously, you're creative. Uh, you know, in a lot of ways, you, you're trying to work with your hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your creativity is coming out not only in words but also in in with your hands. So that's uh, that's part of being creative. Yeah, and I find that helps when I'm stuck in writing. You know, if I get stuck in a story at a certain spot or. You know, I I can't get it worked out the way I like. I find those other hobbies really help me get back into the story. It gives me some kind of other type of creative diversion. There you go. I don't know. You know, it somehow just, you know, loosens things up or something to get through that writer's block and get back into it. So, you know, it's nice to have those other things. Never enough hours in a day, but it's nice to have (laughs) the other things. Right. Sometimes it just works that way. But yeah, but diverting your your attention to something else sometimes is what kind of gets it back into the groove. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would you say to someone thinking about becoming a writer? Of course, that's a big question almost everybody has. <laughs> that would depend on the day I'm having. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's like that. It's such an old question, everybody. Why do you keep asking that? <laughs> Actually, I think, you know, the best advice I ever heard, and I read this on a blog, or not, well, it was a blog, but it was um, a publishing house's blog that was just talking about the story you submit. And the editor had said, just stay true to the story in your heart because when we read it, it shows. You know, if you're constantly editing it, saying, oh, this isn't what people are going to want to read today, then it's going to show in the story. And I think that's really true because, you know, as much as I've had bad reviews, everybody has, Uh you know, staying true to the story and really kind of, I don't want to make it sound conceited because it's not, but writing for yourself Uh because this is the story I have to tell. If I change right. it for somebody, I'm I'm really hindering it, you know. Right, and I think that's just the best advice because I think you go into it and people are saying, you know, study, study what's out there, read what's out there. But then you can't write to what's out there. You really no. have to write your story. Right, because it changes by the time you get it out of there. 
Right. <laughs> oh, yeah, and by the time all the editors have gotten done with it. <laughs> yeah, uh, who would know that Westerns are suddenly taking another, you know, uh, back you know, back in the groove of it. So, uh, right. yeah, you know, genres are constantly changing. Uh, we're, we're all mixing them up. Uh, I was just writing about that today, about how many uh, different genres and, and how we're mixing them up so much that the lines are no longer there. So. <laughs> it's true. And yet, you know, it's funny because when I wrote my novel last year, Torn Asunder, that was a complaint that I heard from, I mean, I had a um, an agent that was interested in it for a while and her final reason for saying no was that it had too many genres. She mm. didn't think that that uh, she could sell it because it had so many genres in it. Yeah, I, 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 hear, was, I am hearing that a lot for about the agents and, and publishers. You know, the big six publishers are, uh, they're not sure what to do with them. They, mm-hmm. can't, they can't stick them in a box of category. So they 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 shy away from them, and that is exactly the wrong thing to do. Because this is what people are are reading now, is a mod podge of of ideas and and you know genres all mixed together. Right. So. Right, I agree. They need to get on the ball and get the right ones. <laughs> 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 That's <was> my opinion. <laughs> right. But yeah, I, I, yeah, not so cookie cutter, you know. I think when it doesn't fit and. And I guess I understood part of it only because now that Hidden Salem's out there, you know, I have, in talking to my publisher, heard her, you know, mention that, you know, she send it off for reviews. They want to know exactly what, and we've had a trouble defining it, exactly what genre is the main one here. Because yeah. they want to know when you send it in for a review. And, you know, if it's hard to pin down, then, yeah. you know, you send it in one and they don't agree with what it is. And, you know, it it becomes very confusing mixing them yeah, up, I guess, that way. It definitely, it definitely is. Uh, and, you know, I, <laughs> I'm a published, small publisher. I guess if, if we didn't have mixed genres, then I wouldn't have a job. So... <laughs> <laughs> You know, if if, all, if the big six were were actually on the ball and understood, hey, these are what people want to read, then I wouldn't have a job. So <laughs> exactly, that's right. I love all of my small presses. So I mean, I've been very, very happy and very thrilled with the, uh, you know almost every publisher that I've worked with. I mean, out of out of eight, I've only had problems with one, and I'm not yeah. with them anymore. So I've been very lucky. Yeah, that's and there's enough of you know small ones now that you can find something you know somebody that's going to be interested in your work, some you know no matter what genre you're in. So mm-hmm. that's the cool thing about that. So uh, what do you have any plans for the future, work related or personal? Um, plans for the future. I am actually. I mean, I have a lot of works that um, are under contract for 2012 that are not completed yet. That's the first the first time in my career I've ever done that. I'm, I'm finding it a little bit nerve-wracking. But um, I do have a story that is very different that uh, I know I'll write this year because it's, it's just really forming and forming and forming in my head. But um, I'm the daughter of a Vietnam veteran. And, uh-huh. uh, he, Good timing, my, actually. 
Yes, and my dad, uh, it was really uh, heart problems that made him look at the way he was dealing with his life and with the war 40 years later. And um, he's, you know, now in post-traumatic stress disorder therapy and stuff like that, stuff that he didn't do for 30-some years. And uh, it's really made me just, you know, I I don't know, I've always been uh, a person that felt like I had to make up for what that hero's welcome they never got. Mm-hmm. Like, like that was part of my life's mission, to make up for the fact that these men never got that hero's welcome, that my dad got off of a plane and threw his uniform away and oh. never spoke about the war again because yeah. people screamed at him and yelled at him and threw stones at him when he got off the plane after all that he did and went through. And I have this story in my head told through the daughter's eyes, which seems to be a very fictionalized story, although I've asked him permission to use some of the stuff that I know um, from him personally. Um, but it's it's going to be a story about a Vietnam veteran 40 years later, still dealing with the war, but told through his daughter's eyes. That is cool. So, I know I'll write that this year, and that'll be totally different for me. i got to start reading, like, Nicholas Sparks and stuff to get inspired. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it's close the door, you know. You can't you can't go into go into the room like you do with your paranormal romance. You have to close the door. <laughs> uh, I know it's going to be totally totally different, but just like this children's book, you know, it, right. it completely set me in a whole other world of writing. But I really enjoyed that, and I don't know, maybe I'm always a sucker for a challenge. But <laughs> there you go. And isn't that what it's all about? Is is the challenge of starting something new, uh, a story mm-hmm. being new. And and when you're done, do you kind of regret being done with that story? Sometimes <laughs> there's been a few that were exhausting to write somehow, and then there's been some where I had trouble emotionally letting go. I think it really just depends on the story, and the process it took me to get through it because some come out so fast, you know, and then mm-hmm. some you sit and you just plot to death and you write and then you replot it again and you know what I mean? So yeah. I guess yeah. it depends on the story and how the writing of it went, whether I'm ready to let it go or not. And I know the ones that I haven't let go because sequels start to come to me. <laughs> well, if you have any, with that, because I know you said that most of your stories are standalones. So if these characters are continuing to come to you, in, in your mind, do you have perhaps some ideas on bringing some of those into series? Uh, the Hidden Salem one, and I think I keep telling myself I'll wait until April and see the response to the story, but I do have a sequel already plotted out. Okay. I mean, that the characters in that story really got to me, and I guess I haven't let them go. And um, I... You know, there was a friend of the main character, and her story would be the second one. You know, all the old characters would still be there because they were best friends, but, you know, there was a lot of different uh, characters that started to be built, it felt like, in Mm -hmm. that novel, that maybe need their own story. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I had that happen in mind, too. And so you wind up starting, uh, I kind of read some of Nora, Nora Roberts' stuff, you know, where she has like three sons or three men 
that she starts in the first story. And so then each of them get their own story. So I said, okay, if you're going to have a, a series and some of them are going to be branching off and have their own story, you have to start the, the series with all of them in there. And so you get right. to ter- you get to know them. So, <laughs> so yeah. If, unfortunately, you end up with a lot of characters in your first book, but yeah, that's you got to have them in there in order to be able to branch them off and have people like them enough. <laughs> yeah, so I thought I'd kind of wait to see what the response was because I know the one that I wrote called A Modern Day Witch Hunt, uh, which was a shorter novel. But it's kind of dealing with the same thing. It's it, it, I mean, they're labeled paranormal, but they're really about modern day witches, you know. And um, in a modern day witch hunt, there was people that kept saying, you know, after they read it, I really need to know more about this group called the Watchers that you created. And so, you mm. know, I've I keep it on the back burner because I haven't had time yet. But I've thought about expanding that one too. And so I'm kind of waiting to see if the two characters that, to me, would be the two sequel stories for Hidden Salem, if people will comment on that once they read it. And so, uh, rather than paranormal, wouldn't that be more urban fantasy? That you have uh, the witches and their their watch in in our time. You know, I've heard it called, and and I guess I'm I'm not quite sure, I've heard it called magic realism where you stay true to what can happen in real life. Now, that definition of what can happen in real life with Wiccan characters, you know, is Mm going to change. Some people are not going to completely agree that that could or could not happen, especially when you deal with, um, like in Hidden Salem, when you deal with place memories and ghosts, um, reading residual energy on objects. Is that real life? Can that happen? different people are going to say different things. And so that magic realism term ends up encompassing a lot, but it stays with magic in modern day. But I don't think people are comfortable enough with the genre, you know what I mean, to actually Mm -hmm. label it that. I know it's just going to get the paranormal label, and that's fine with me. Well, I know that there's a whole, I mean, <laughs> there there are, there are uh, genres that I'm going like, what in the world is that? You know, I never heard of that one. I mean, I remember when Steampunk came uh, came on board, I'm going like, what in the world is Steampunk? And so uh, now we have Steampunk in, in movies and, and, you know, television shows, and so it's, it's everywhere. Uh so it's it's an interesting how we have branched off and there's you know there's punk there's all these others that <laughs> getting into uh, there's so many of them and it branches off of of what we have already. Mm-hmm. But, uh, there's so many of them. That okay. and I find that exciting because I just wrote my first steampunk. It comes out Valentine's Day. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And so that's again, that's a little bit, a little bit of a couple different genres then. Mhm. Yeah, I love the Regency set stuff. So. Ah. Uh-huh. I I loved when you know I read my first steampunk. It, it was totally for me, you know. <laughs> I love the historical. I love the paranormal. So. There you go. Yeah. Uh, somebody asked, uh, describe a typical day in your writing life. Um, usually, uh, when my kids go to school, they get on the bus about 
7 o'clock. I sit down and uh, do a little bit of promo stuff that needs to be taken care of for the day. Um, and then I get right into writing. I usually claim that I'm going to stop around noon and exercise. <laughs> that happens about once out of five days. <laughs> then, you know, I can get, really... Get into the groove so you can't stop, you know. That's right. I mean, I end up writing, and the next thing I know, I'm like, my stomach's growling, and it's 2 o'clock, and I just totally missed that whole exercise hour I claim I'm always going to do. But, um, you know, my kids get off the bus about 3 o'clock, and so, you know, that's where that writing day ends for me, but never completely, because I also um, do uploads for a company. I upload their books on Amazon and everything for them once a week on Thursday nights, so... You know, Thursday nights I bring my laptop into the room with my kids and watch TV and do uploads. But, um, you know, there's always promo that trickles into nighttime, you know, here and there. But basically my rating day is 7 to 3. And, you know, my and that was my husband's idea. He said, you know, as soon as I got that first contract, he's like, unless the school calls, you don't answer the phone, this is your rating time. Like you're going into an office. And you're working all day long, you know. You wouldn't leave that office unless the school calls, you know, because you have a sick child or something. But um, so that's the way I really run it, and it's worked really well for me. Hmm. Hey, that sounds great. Uh, tell us something about yourself outside of the job of writing. Your interests, your and experience you want to share? Um... <laughs> That was a hard one, huh? I'll give you some more. Something you're proud of. Something I'm proud of. Um, you know, I I have a son that uh, that's sick, and uh, he has several autoimmune disorders, and so really, that takes up a lot of my life. Um, and you know, my husband always says, you know. It's, it was good that, you know, I'm I'm a researcher. I'm a person that loves the library. I love to read. And, you know, a lot of my life is is always researching for his diseases, trying to do the best I can for him. And, you know, recently he's missed a lot of school. And, you know, those writing days I was talking about, you know, get cut out and stuff. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, that's... Something about me, I guess a lot of people don't know. It's not like, you know, I go online and announce and stuff, but it's become a very big part of my life. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Is 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 dealing with that, and I, you know, I, I want to be more of an advocate for his disease. I want to, you know, learn more and help more and stuff. So um, I see kind of my writing days changing in the future, actually. Hmm. We only got our diagnosis this year. You know, um, took uh-huh. nine months to get it, but he had been sick for two years prior to that. So, you know, and not not exactly knowing what was going on with him. So um, that's tough. I do think changing a little. Yeah. Well, at least now you know what it is. So. Uh, yeah. You know, well, that 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 helps a little bit, I would think, knowing what it is. That way, you maybe can have a plan of how to how to take care of it. It is having that diagnosis makes such a world of difference in knowing at least getting that plan going, you know, Mm -hmm. at least knowing what you're dealing with, even if what you're doing 
you know, the body works. <laughs> you can do yeah. everything for it, and it doesn't always do exactly what you want it to do. But. No, that's not, never does. Yeah, definitely would be a lot uh, easier knowing what it is. Uh, I can imagine that would be really tough before that. So It was. Yeah, that's just, uh, well, thank you for sharing. That's that's awesome of you. So, <laughs> uh, it, it's tough sometimes to share those kind of deep, intimate things. And that's something that everyone listening should get out of uh, this interview is is a little more about her that you didn't know. So thank you for sharing that with us. You're welcome. (laughs) Uh, What was the hardest part about writing when you got started? Learning everything. I mean, learning everything online, learning that whole social networking thing, you know. I wasn't, it was never a person to put my, in fact, I was pretty much the wallflower, you know. I mean, I, I walked in a room, put my head down in college and sat in the back, you know. <laughs> I, it was just that kind of person. So putting, learning to put myself out there and mm. talk and be social and advertise myself, what a horrible phrase. <laughs> I, I get that, that a lot was, from authors. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was just, that was really tough, and it seemed very sudden. You know, you got that first contract, and they wanted you to have a website yesterday. And I didn't know how to get a website, you know what I mean? And Mm. that has become a continual learning process, because it seems like the more you get into it, the more someone says, are you on here? Are you on here? Well, you know, how many accounts can you handle in one day and still write? Exactly. How many blogs do you need to get into? And and you're going like, well, that's taking away from <laughs> from other time, you know, from the creative right. creative writing time. I know, I know. It's balancing. That's a hard part for I, I think a lot of us authors is uh, learning that balance and of course keeping up with the technology. Right, right. Yeah, especially when you've not had, I mean, you know, I went to school to be an English teacher. I didn't know the first thing about a computer other than to work in Word, you know. I mean, right. And now I'm I'm uploading and formatting books. I mean, it's, it's you know, amazing the things I've learned in these years. But, uh, you know, it, it's been the biggest challenge, definitely, to, to, to balance that writing life with that promo life. So, question I have is: This is this is not one that's been written down here, but um, on your on your sales, do you think that you're doing more uh, sales in ebook than you do in print book? Yes, and in fact, I have a perfect example about that because um, you know, in the beginning, the first couple of years, I mean, you know, sales were really small, and um, once I once I got to uh, the Ohio Honor. Ohio Anna author, and went to Columbus. When I was there, you know, there was a stack. Barnes & Noble provided the books. And, you know, there was a stack of my novel there. And I... Oh. I think we might have... Did we lose you, Kiki? My, I lost her. Yeah. Sorry, everyone. Hang on. We lost you again. Hang on. We'll get her right back here as soon as she realizes there she is. 
I'm here. <laughs> I knew as soon as I heard that really loud beep, I was gone again. <laughs> I go on like, okay, it drops, but it doesn't. It doesn't. I don't hear you, and but it doesn't drop yet on the you know on the switchboard, and I'm going, okay, what's going on here? And then of course, then it says, yeah, you dropped off. So. <laughs> I never I know. I a really, sure. really loud beep in my ear before I get dropped. So oh, really? I know exactly. <laughs> you know, we don't. We did, all we hear is is white noise. You know, there's nothing there. <laughs> so you were, you were talking about your ebooks and and uh, how that you, it changed. How it changed right, recently. When I went to Columbus, a lot of people said if they would come by the, you know, the table where I was doing signings, you know, I'm taking your card because I have an e-reader. Well, I thought maybe it was just an excuse, you know, to get that I'm not going to buy the book, I'm moving on kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But my sales were six times as much on that book alone than they had ever been before. The, mm-hmm. the royalty checks that came right after I went to Columbus. And then all of my other books started to pick up, too. I mean, it was amazing. I went from, you know, selling X dollars to selling six times that amount, and it hasn't slowed down since. It, it well, was, it was it got, just March it got, with that month. I know. It's got, it, it, and it's gotten interesting because they're now doing, like, Kindle Kindle autographs. Uh, so now you can autograph your Kindles and... Uh, yeah, it's interesting time to to be in with the with the ebooks because I as a publisher I'm selling like forty to one. Yeah, yeah. and it, it was amazing to do this book signing. It's what got my name out there to sell all these ebooks. I mean, it was amazing to, to me the way that worked. So I went out in public with a print book and right. only sold a few copies, but because of that signing, sold hundreds of ebooks. I mean, it was amazing okay. to me that that so happened. This, so this is a good indication, everyone, that, you know, just because you go to a book signing and you don't sell very many, that doesn't mean that you're that you're not selling elsewhere. It says, I know that whenever I go out in, in the community, um, my hits on all my websites go up. So, yeah, I mean, all those people right. putting their card in, your po- in their pocket or purse, yeah, or do something with it, you know, maybe not all of them, but, I mean, a good majority of them because I was just amazed in the difference. And even emails that I got, you know, I read your book because I saw you in in, in Columbus. Exactly. You know, yeah. so, I mean, they, they the public things work, but, yeah, you can't disappointed that that you didn't sell the physical book because right. that public still may want to go home and buy it on their e-reader. Yeah, that's definitely true. We're we're now doing book signings where we actually um, have the ebook that we can upload directly to their e-readers if they bring them. So um, we're just now starting to do that. So, <laughs> uh, not everybody, you know, we don't we don't want Amazon to get all the money. So, <laughs> right. And it's interesting that you know people still want to read the ebook; they don't want to pay for the physical book, but they still want to meet the author. You right. know, they still want to physically come out and meet the author. So it's it's gonna it's gonna be really interesting in the next few years how that changes things, you know, book signings and stuff. Definitely, definitely. And that's uh and I think that you're probably gonna wind up finding out that, that Barnes and Noble when they do signings from now on will probably start selling the uh book instantly 
from to their nooks when they're there. So I would if I were them. So mm-hmm. I think that's probably going to be changing as far as being able to buy either one while you're in the store. I believe they're already doing that. Yeah, and they need to, to do that. I mean, I think designing the Amazon book is really, really neat because I, mm-hmm. I've i done a few some editing for some people being an Engl- ex-English teacher, and um, I know that the one man that I edited his book he then sent me a special copy that was an ebook, but it had a special thing in the front of it just to me. And I thought that was so neat, you know, because I have an e-reader, I have it on my e-reader. And I think that, you know, these companies need to do that. They need to bring the people into the store, but they need to have a way that you can digitally sign the book they buy. Exactly. I mean, I, mean, I think that would just make it so much neater and so much worthwhile because, you know, why have a piece of paper that's signed by the author when... You have it in an ebook. Exactly. You know, I know so, a lot of people are signing a card and giving it away because people are buying the ebook, but it would be neater if that signature was digital. Yeah, and, and I told the guy who's doing the Kindle graphics, I have uh, anthologies. He doesn't quite have that to the point where they can they can go around from person to person and autograph it. So <laughs> that's coming. That's coming. So Yeah, that does. I never thought of that. Yeah, same issues, you know. It's like, well, he goes, oh, so you you would like it? Yes, we would love it that way because they don't want to take the same file and sign it because that's that's very cumbersome. And of course, you know, not everybody's uh, savvy when it comes to te- you know technology. So uh, having individuals be able to sign it would be good, but it's all the same books because what he had before was just one file, only one signature. Right. So, so it's coming. Yeah, that'll be neat. <laughs> so have any dreams been realized as a result of your writing? Do I have any what? Sorry. Have any dreams been realized as a result of your writing? Um, I think little by little different dreams have happened. Um, you know, you have a lot of little goals and you meet them, but um the most amazing one that I had this past year was um, when Torn Asunder came out as a novel. Um, I had asked to be friends with Hannah Howe online on Facebook. Uh, we're no relation, <laughs> but she was one of the first romances I read when, you know, you graduate up into romances, you know, uh-huh. in high school. Um, always loved her work, and when I saw her on Facebook, you know, I just, because I could, I asked her to be a friend. And, um, you know, she's got thousands of them. And when I started writing Torn Asunder, she commented on one of my posts about writing the book. She gave me advice. I mean, I just about died. And uh-huh. it was just one of those starstruck moments that, you know, this person that I've been reading her books for years and years and years, she commented on the story I'm writing. So she she did that a couple more times. And um, I just got up the courage one day and I messaged her on Facebook and said, you know, you commented a couple of times on this paranormal historical because that's what she writes. And I said, um, you know, I understand if there's a contractual reason you can't or you just don't have time, but would you, you know, read it? And she agreed. And not only did she agree but she gave me a review for for the front of that cover. That's awesome. So, I mean, it was, I I cannot tell you how blown away I was 
to just be thinking of someone like Hannah Howe, that I have read her stories, reading one of mine, and then not only reading one of mine, but liking it. I there mean, <laughs> then I got the email with the blurb in it from her. My husband happened to be working on the roof of our house. So the whole neighborhood heard as I ran out and screamed <laughs> to him exactly what she said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I've never had the courage to ask anybody. So that's interesting that, you know, uh, having that happen, that's cool. I have heard that, that you know, I can do the ask because some of these, some of these uh, other writers that, that your story is alike, um, you, you should be able to you know, go to them and at least ask. But I've, you know... Having the courage to ask them, you know, and everybody just assumes we're related because we have this, you know, the same last name. She was one of the first persons to put that up there, you know, because I got to be on her blog after that, and right. you know, when the book released and stuff, and she kept saying, "But there's no relation." <laughs> right. So there's a joke behind that. That's great. So we're, we're we have actually gone over, but that's fine. That's fine because that's why I put an hour and a half just in case. So the question that I have that I always ask at the end of the show for people, anyone who hasn't interviewed with me, is: You have successfully slain the dragon. How will you celebrate? Hmm. Celebrate. Um, I'm still kind of that wallflower. So whenever I have one of those moments to celebrate, um. It's just sitting around with my family and having them by my side, excited for me, happy for me. Um, that's just the way I celebrate, to have, you know, to have these people that matter the most in my house happy and excited for me. is just the most amazing feeling. And, of course, it's a good time of the year to bring that up, you know, that, uh, that, that feeling of family. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well, I am really looking forward to uh, reading some of your work. Uh, I always always find that um, I haven't read any of your work before. I'm going to admit that. Uh, but I often, you know, I go to conventions and whatnot, and when I, when I find a, an author that I like, you know, as a person, mm-hmm. uh, I say, you know what, I'm going to read their work because I like them. So I definitely want to read some of your work because I, I like you. So, <laughs> so I and, and I, I turn around the other way. I have one author who I would probably love her writing and love her work, but I don't like her. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I I just I just refuse to read it, you know, because I'm afraid I don't like the work, but I really just don't like her. So, <laughs> uh, so uh, you know, uh, but most of the time, I mean, if somebody that. He's like, well, they're okay, but uh, you know, I'm not really interested in, in their writing, so I'm not going to try them. But there's certain people was like, hey, yeah, I think I'm. In. And you know, I've I've read uh, I don't know how many writers' uh, works because of that. You know, I met them right. and I said, hey, this is this. They sound like they're really nice people, and and I like what they said, and I I think I want to try them. So, um, either I'll, try, I'll wait for your Salem or I'll try something that you've already written. So. Um, now, really, really wonderful to meet you after uh, all these years of working with, with uh, authors, supporting authors. Both of us uh, have been on there for a while and uh, been hosting with them for, um, I'm not sure, over an hour, over a year now, year and a half, too. <laughs> I don't know how long it was. It's been a couple of years. 
but uh, uh, it's wonderful to to be part of a group of uh, like-minded people. Right, right, right. And it helps to get promotion and and uh, you know get the word out with with everyone. So uh, that's why I stuck around. And uh, and every once in a while I say, hey, I really like to uh, interview personally with certain certain people. And you've been around for a while, so I really wanted to get to meet you. Great, thank you. I'm glad to be on. Well, thank you, and have a great night. You too. That's it, everyone. And I'm going to say good night to to Kiki Helm. Really enjoyed the conversation with her, and hope you did too. This is KWOD Radio and Patty Holstrand. Our next our next um, interview is going to be Monday the second. We will be change shifting gears a little bit, and we're going to be talking to a local Arizona hoth, uh, horror author, and that'll be Daryl. Uh, Daryl Brown, uh, Dawson Brown is a local author. He's written a uh, short story compilation, uh, really gruesome, uh, scary stuff, you know, things that you don't want to read in the dark. And uh, even my, my teenage son is a, a new fan of his. So that's really saying a lot when you can get a 17-year-old uh, game a crazed teenager to actually read a book from cover to cover and enjoy it enough that he wanted to meet the writer, the writer as well. So that's that's saying a lot about him. And that's going to be again at the same time, 530 to 630, and that's January the 2nd. And I will be getting that information up on Blog Talk uh, this evening. So with that, I'd like to say goodnight, everyone. And again, this is KWOD Radio signing off.